0: What's up, everybody? It's Luke Munger of dogman.com, joined by Jack McCauley, fellow former intern and former Husky basketball player, Jason Crandall. Gentlemen, how are we doing today?
2: Doing well. Thanks, Luke.
0: Doing well, man. Just just kicking it. Washington's exhibitioner opener against Alaska Fairbanks. Uh, that is on Tuesday, the first at, heck, Ed, 7 p.m. tip. Um, so, yeah, with a week until the season begins, or at least at the time of recording this, we just thought we'd get together, talk a little bit about the season to come, um, what to kind of expect from the Washington Huskies, some storylines to watch, all of those sorts of things. Uh, but we'll start, of course, by getting a little bit of context. Jack, tell us a little bit about the 21, 22 Washington Huskies uh, that played last season.
1: Yeah, obviously, very interesting season for Washington. Um... You know, they added a couple players in Dejon Davis, Terrell Brown. You know, it's the backcourt was expected to be good, and Terrell Brown took a step up that nobody really thought he would. Unfortunately, he is gone along with another three other starters in Dejon Davis, previously mentioned, uh, Nate Roberts, and Emmett Matthews, who transferred back to West Virginia. So, what they had to do was they had to go out and fill those pieces. They ended up adding Noah Williams from Washington School who comes back to Seattle after formerly attending O'Day High School. Then you go get a big-time guy like Keon Brooks from Kentucky who is looked to poise and take over that Terrell Brown-type role. Um, Then you go get a hardworking big man in Frank Kepnang from Oregon, as well as an unproven center from Fresno State in Braxton Mia. So Mike Hopkins has some pieces to work with. But after a relatively disappointing season where Washington finished middle of the pack, Uh, last year in the Pac-12 and not making an NCAA uh, tournament. He does carry some weight on his shoulders this year, almost as a do-or-die season to make the NCAA tournament, especially having uh, a healthy sum of talent around him. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting year, like
0: you said. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, I don't know if we need to get into kind of what expectations are for this year. I mean, obviously, I think Husky fans are hungry for some production and want to see success. But I think, uh, I don't know. I feel like do-or-die tournament might be high expectations for a team that finished 11 and nine in conference play last year and is losing four starters. So like, I understand that, like, you know, you got to kind of put it out there and get some uh, productivity and a winning season and all those sorts of things. I mean, I I think people are looking for another step forward, uh, but I think that that is a a big leap for a team that is losing their leading scorer. uh, And then, three other starters. Jason, do you want to break the tie on this one?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I I think it's, I'm a little bit in between, so I don't know if I'm going to break the tie because I think it's very fair for fans to go into the season wanting the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's been what one time since Isaiah Thomas has played here that we've had the opportunity to be watching the dogs in March. And so I think it's very fair to want that whether that's going to be the measuring stick for a successful season is kind of up in the air, in my opinion. I think it's doable if everything goes right. But uh, that's, I don't know if I, I'm saying that's like a going to be something that's in the the very like reasonable outcomes to achieve. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they mesh, especially as you mentioned, Luke, we're replacing a lot of our guys. So we'll have to see what we look like. And I I'm definitely going to put my hopes of making the NCAA tournament just as a fan, and that's what I want, but to set that as the reasonable expectation, I don't know if we're there yet.
1: I mean, not necessarily like an expectation for a season in in my view, per se. I just think if you're hired at the University of Washington in, in where you're located in Seattle, and Seattle's known to be a basketball town who Produces a lot of top-tier NBA talent, you know, and you've only made the tournament one time. There has to be a time where you say, "All right, you got to start establishing some results." Especially being a coach who's been extended and has been there, you know, you want to be able to see those results. And with the talent you have on a roster, I think it's fair to say that there should be an expectation of uh, making a tournament. Obviously, I think you know having a lot of growth, I think, would define a successful season. But I think in order to what needs to be done for Coach Hopkins and where he is at in his career with only making it one time and it being with a roster that he didn't have, I think you got to start seeing some results at some point for what you're developing.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's
0: fair. For sure. And then like, don't get me wrong. Do I want the Washington Huskies to make the NCAA tournament? Of course I do. No, you're totally <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I would love for that to happen uh, more than, you know, uh, I'm just saying that I think that there's room between Washington's finished last year, which was again, 11 and nine in conference, 17 and 15 overall in making the tournament. If they're able to do that with the roster turnover, they had, uh, they're starting to kind of add some young pieces. Maybe we can use this as a transition into uh, what we're going to see on the court in terms of personnel and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we can start to build some optimism in that way. Mm-hmm. The Washington Huskies can. Uh, so yeah, like I mentioned uh, Huskies, Some young and new talent on this roster. Uh, The one returning starter, Jamal Bay, uh, is entering his final year of eligibility for the Washington Huskies. Uh, Some other familiar names that got a lot of playing time last year, P.J. Fuller. Uh, He is a Seattle, Washington native, started his career at TCU. Jackson Grant from Olympia. Obviously, there's Cole Bajima. I don't have to read the whole roster, I guess. Uh, But then also some new transfers that are excited about no Williams from Washington state, obviously Husky fans familiar with him. Keon Brooks from Kentucky and Frank Kepning from Oregon as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you guys want to tell me a little something about this roster? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I can go ahead. I think that kind of initial theme that Jack mentioned of kind of it being a prove it year rings true for a lot of the guys on this roster. I think as we talked about the newcomers, the transfers, and specifically if you look at Keon Brooks, Noah Williams, and Kepning, who are expected to be either starters or play lots of minutes, they came to UW for a a fresh start for each of them to kind of prove who they think they can be. So I think it kind of fits in with this coaching staff trying to prove that they can put together – and a great season that exceeds expectations. I think each of those three are trying to come in and exceed expectations. you got Keon Brooks, who we're talking about him trying to come in and replace Terrell Brown, who's one of the most prolific scorers in the country last year. Brooks was a high-level recruit uh, from La Lumiere High School. He played with Isaiah Stewart, and now he's trying to come to UW to basically, I think, boost his chances of making it to the NBA. And then you look at Kep Nang, who came from Oregon. He was a great defender in his time at Oregon, but uh, they kind of were choosing to play some other guys a little bit more than him. And he's coming in. There's been great reviews about him as a teammate. We'll see if he can take the, the next step offensively to really be an impact player on both ends of the court. And then Noah Williams, who he's had a, I guess, a roller coaster career, I'd say. Uh, he's. He had some great success at Washington state. And then last year, uh, I think he kind of fell out of favor with the coaching staff. He stopped starting his three point percentage dipped from 38% as a sophomore down to 26% last year as a junior. So this once again is a fresh start for him. He's coming back home. I think the coaching staff is putting a lot of weight on his shoulders to really be a lead guard for this team. And it's, it's, he's kind of an X factor. If he plays at what he did as a sophomore, the ceiling is raised a lot for this team, but he is, uh, as I mentioned, he can be an enigma. So that low end, we need to, he, that floor needs to be raised back to what we saw as a sophomore. And then finally, I think with that prove it uh, theme, you got Jamal Bay. It's his fifth year at UW. He's faced a lot of criticism uh, from fans in the media And this is his chance to prove it last year. Can he prove who many people thought he was going to be when he came in as a recruit to UW? And we'll see if he can take that step up. His three-point percentage in scoring also went down last year compared to the prior season. And so let's see. It is kind of a a prove-it, make-or-break year for some of these guys, and it it, it will be exciting to watch.
0: I don't know if this is kind of an off-topic question, but I'm curious. You mentioned, obviously, Keon Brooks looking to be the most likely, like, I guess if you had to take a pick, who's going to replace uh, Terrell Brown as the most, I guess, like the leading scorer on the team and all that sort of stuff. Is that sort of an appeal that you think Washington kind of used in the portal for a guy like Keon Brooks trying to up his NBA draft stock? Like, hey, TB transferred in here last year and dropped 25 a game. Like, why don't you come do the same? Obviously, they don't play the same position. But do you expect, I guess, similar usage for a guy like that?
2: Yeah, I think I don't think it's it's reasonable to to say anyone's going to come in and do what Terrell did because I think he was a top five scorer in the country last year, mm-hmm. and that's just that's just not doable for the most part. But I do think that was probably a very attractive piece to say to both Keon and Noah Williams and say, "Hey, look, we're going to give you the opportunity, whether it's been uh, Terrell, a Green." Isaiah Stewart, Noah Dickerson, Jalen Noel, you can point to guys in Coach Hop's system where they say, we're going to get you your touches, and you're going to get the chance to shine. So that's where I think that def- definitely is attractive. I mm-hmm. My bet would be on Keon Brooks to be the leading scorer, but I don't think it's going to be up near those Terrell Brown levels. I think it's going to be in that mid-teens uh, for the guy who leads our-, our team in scoring.
0: Great. Obviously, prove it you're going to, I guess – I don't know if you mentioned another guy that I think as a Husky fan and a guy that I guess sometimes hops on dogman.com and throws up a podcast, someone that I'm excited to see, hopefully a step forward from in an area that I think the Huskies have been struggling to have a go-to guy in this department is Cole Bajima. Um, We were talking a little bit before this podcast, but it feels like a long time since the Huskies have had a guy where you're like, I feel really great about this person knocking down an open catch and shoot three point jumper. Um, and Cole Bajima on paper is that guy. So I think that he's another piece that the Huskies like. I, I think that's a, an important cog in the successful basketball team machine that Washington hasn't had a ton of productive, I guess, uh, consistent performances from over the past couple of years. I mean, the most recent one was probably Dominic Green. Um, so, yeah. That's another one for me, Jack. What else kind of stands out to you about this roster?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Luke, with having a guy like Cole Badguma, um being able to knock down shots. And kind of like Jason said, too, with Jamal Bay, that, that was his role when he came here. He was highlighted as a shooter, a sharp shooter, and hasn't really found his stride, has had mo- his moments, but ne- never really been able to string something together. And I think when you point back to a guy like Dominic Green, I think you could even look at David Crisp, too. If you look at Hop System, they have those primary guys that like to take care of the ball, kind of like Jason alluded to with obviously the uh, lineage of scores that he listed. Guys around them have to be able to hit shots when they're open. If all the you know all those eyes are going to be watching that one player, which will be Keon Brooks this year for the most part, so that means you have to have guys like Noah Williams step in and hit some big time shots. Cole Bajima, Jamal Bay. And then I think a couple other guys uh, that I would like to mention, at least who are I think going to be key pieces to the system, um, is is PJ Fuller, who had some moments last year. He's got to be able to step up and be a uh, and be an energy guy off the bench. And then one guy who who might surprise people is the is the true freshman out of Detroit, Miss uh, Michigan, and that's uh, Keon Manyfields. He was mm-hmm. the he was the lead EYBL scorer last year. I granted, I don't think he's going to be uh, you know one of those. Three point guys. He's going to be kind of like a Terrell Brown in a sense where he's just going to try and get to the rim and get crafty. But he, you know, p- might, people might be just, you know, wondering oh, who's this Keon Manyfield guy. Obviously, he's been talked a little bit about. But let's, if you look at him in, you know, in depth, the first thing on paper is he didn't have offers really anywhere. Boston College and St. Louis were probably his two biggest offers outside of the University of Washington. But when you go watch his film, this kid is explosive. He gets to the rack with ease, and he's just a really good finisher, and that's the sort of stuff that just transfers from level to level, especially when you've been playing at the on the EYBL circuit, the toughest circuit for AAU and high school hoops. I think it's going to transfer over, and from everything everyone's been saying in practice is this kid is the real deal. So having a guy like that you need to be able to step up. You need to be able to find one gem in your freshman class. And I, I think he's going to be it this year over Corin Johnson um, and, and Tyler Lindhart from Kings. But yeah, cut, Luke, kind of to answer your question here, um, Washington needs guys off the bench or at least guys in their starting lineup to be spark plugs that they haven't really had since that 2018 season. Um, you know, certainly we saw, you know, we saw, you know, points from last year, the year before that, where guys, you know, might be able to do something, but there hasn't really been any consistency. And I think, you, you know, proving it and proving consistency is what Washington really needs to do if they want to achieve what, what, you know, what they're, they're setting their goals for. Yeah, P.J.
0: is an interesting guy to me. I'm excited to see what P.J. is able to do taking a step forward this year. One thing, i was looking at his career game log right now. uh He had 23 against the Cougs last year, 5 of 9 from beyond the arc. He scored 21 against Baylor as a true freshman at TCU. But he's also had, like, and this is obviously no disrespect to PJ. Like, I think PJ, very talented basketball player. But he's had 30 games in his career where he's had fewer than five. You know what I mean? Out of 83 games played. But he's also had nearly 30 games scoring in double digits, right? So this is a guy who's capable relatively consistently of going out and filling it up. But also that there are games maybe where, I don't know if it's just a lack of PT or efficiency or whatever, but I don't know. PJ is a guy that I think can be sort of like, he's proven that he has the, the scoring potential to be like a real, I don't know, spark off the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see if he can reach that full potential. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bank slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: And then I think kind of, Rounding it out for the remaining guys who are, are going to look to carve out some minutes is if you turn to the front court. Obviously, we're putting a lot of stock in Frank Kepning to be a anchor for our defense. Uh, but guys like him, he'll probably be in that 25-28 minute range. And so we're going to have to have some other guys step up in the front court and help had the rebounds. As many Husky fans know, anyone who watched last season, it was infuriating to watch us get pounded on the offensive glass. I think we were bottom 10, 15 in the country and giving up offensive rebounds. Um, if you look at Ken Palm's metrics, so we're going to need some help on the boards. I think Kepning will come in and really help with that. And then you have to look at Langston Wilson. You look at Jackson Grant in his second year, Uh, Samuel R.E.B. as he returns for his second year as well. And then, as Jack mentioned early on, Braxton Mia, who uh, we'll see what he can do as well. But we're going to need, my my thinking is Langston's probably that next guy up um, for a bigger guy off the bench, but he's pretty lean. So he'll probably come in more on that forward position in the zone. And so we're going to need a big step up from Jackson Grant or or Samuel to really come in and, and bang on the boards. And I'm hoping that one of those guys will really carve out. I think there's a, a pretty good indication of who our guards and our wings are going to be, but behind Frank Kepnang, who can carve out those minutes and really be a force that we can depend on as kind of a, Second and third big man uh, when we have to disperse minutes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great point, especially with it's obvious Washington's weak point last year was on the glass. There's no question about it, and then them being pretty thin behind Nate Roberts. So I, I really think you know that's just an excellent point. You know having having that depth in the front court, especially Frank. He's an he's a huge energy guy who will likely get in foul trouble some games because of how hard he plays. That's just who he is, and I'm not dissing that at all. I think that's great. You have a guy like that on your team. But you have to be prepared to have other guys around them that can they, that can step in and fill that role. I think another point too to bring up with the front court is all right. Say you are down, you know, halfway through the second half. These guys in the front court have to be able to come in and s- score the ball. And you know, Washington sets a lot of high pick and rolls in their screen. So you look at Langston, I, I mean, specifically Langston Wilson and Jackson Grant. These guys have to be able to come in and shoot the rock. Jackson, especially, which is you know really why he was named McDonald's All American in high school, could really he could flare out and hit those threes and he's got to be able to have some confidence this year to step up and hit those bucket, hit those shots and make some big time buckets for Washington. You know, especially when you're down, you got to have all, you know, you got to have a lineup that can shoot threes. It's the name of the game nowadays.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an interesting uh, group of guys that the Huskies bring to the table. Obviously there's no shortage of talent. It'll be interesting to see how these different pieces kind of mesh together. Some new faces, A few returning, I guess, familiar faces as well. So I I don't know if there's a certain way that we want to break this down. uh, But I guess we can now take a step forward and look at how Washington is going to start their year. Like I said, we're a week away from their uh, exhibition opener against Alaska Fairbanks. And then after that, of course, they'll get into games that actually count. Uh, They play Weber State Monday, the 7th of November at 8 p.m. for the first game of the season. Does one of you guys kind of want to run through some things that jump off looking at this schedule?
2: Yeah, I think you look at that beginning of that schedule, you kind of have four games uh, immediately where, on paper, Dub should win. Uh, but as we saw last year, we came out first game on paper. Should we have taken down Northern Illinois? Of course we should have. But we didn't get the job done. And uh, I think those are games we can't afford to drop. So if you look at those first four games – they're all at home. They're all in a pretty a 10 day span. You got to take care of business. And right after that, that preps you. You jump in and you take on the Wooden Legacy Tournament. And you look at that tournament. We face Fresno State first game. That's going to be a, a great matchup. Uh, they're rated pretty similar in the preseason Ken Palm rankings as UW. And that one might be a litmus test. Like, if we bring it to Fresno State, it might show what we can be. And if we do get the chance to take care of business, you never know what can happen. But my assumption is we'll probably face St. Mary's. I would guess they're going to take down Vanderbilt. In St. Mary's, uh, they lost some guys, but they do bring back some some great players. They bring back Logan Johnson. They're always well coached, and that's going to be a, another a game where kind of that Wooden Legacy could be kind of a litmus test for this season of where do we stand. If we can hang, hang with a great team like St. Mary's, maybe pull out a W, it might kind of raise expectations and, and it would be a big win for a potential resume if we are building towards the NCAA tournament. But you look at that and then you look at Seattle U right after that. That's going to be a very frisky Seattle U team. Last year I think was their best team they've ever had since coming back up to D1. And that's never an easy game playing Seattle U. Uh, It will be at Heck Ed, but it's it's a rivalry of sorts with that inner city um, battle, and they're going to come in probably thinking this is their best chance. They're riding high after a great season last year. That's going to be uh, probably a dogfight, and we got to be ready for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Especially, I think you know, really early on, being able to anchor your feet down and establish a rhythm moving moving forward into that wooden. Um, you know, legacy tournament, you know, last year they fumbled a little bit and they weren't able to get, you know, that, that chemistry down that they needed to, you know, go out and play in those big games and ultimately come away with wins. And I think this year, if you're able to anchor your feet down, build some chemistry early on, you know, that's what you really need to establish before heading into, you know, two tough games in Fresno State and, and hopefully St. Mary's right after. Uh, kind of like Jason said, you know, if your goals are to make the NSA tournament, you have to be able to play well in those big games and ultimately come away with wins. And I think if Washington is able to, um, you know, especially off the bench, if they're able to get something going where they can have some rotation and feel a safety net under them, I feel like that's extremely important, you know, where those guys are able to build confidence around each other and, you know, lift each other up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's extremely important and valuable, especially as, you know, Jason alluded to with that Seattle U matchup, that's a tough, that that is no walkover opponent this year and then right after that you head into conference play for a couple games and then Gonzaga and Auburn shortly after. So Washington definitely has has to get it going early if they want to make some noise this season and uh, you know really establish themselves.
0: It'll be interesting. I'm curious this might be kind of a cliche and then obviously like you said Jason the Huskies uh failed to take care of business against the opponent that they should have to open last year in Northern Illinois. But with this kind of being both of you have mentioned sort of a prove it year for a number of different players on the roster and the staff altogether, uh, And uh, I guess a number of people capable of kind of stepping into big roles, but still yet to see exactly who this is or who those would be. Uh, how, I guess important is it to have kind of a schedule that maybe affords you to work out some of those rotational kinks uh, before heading into kind of the gauntlet part of the season, starting in December.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. I think it's nice for a team that's bringing a lot of new pieces to try to mesh. But like we saw, you can't go in thinking this is a a free game for us to gel together in those first four games. We need to it that process of met like meshing and coming together needs to be sped up. Last year, we saw it on the the back half of the year. We really did play well and exceed expectations as we moved into Pac-12 play. But we can't allow ourselves to lose any of these games early on in those first four. got to jump in right away, and then we'll have some tests coming up pretty quick as we enter the end of November, early December. we got to get the tires. We need to get them rolling, the car oiled up, right? We need to get going early and often so that we can we can jump into those tougher opponents.
0: Great. Awesome. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have kind of specific questions about how you maybe want to break down the end of this pod here. But maybe we should start talking about some expectations or thoughts or what are some kind of closing closing things, I guess we can break down here.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, kind of hitting conference play a little bit, you know, just kind of running through the schedule. <laughs> it's they that week from auburn they play auburn december 21st at home and then they go home against U- usc home against ucla and then at the arizona schools that is a extremely tough extremely tough stretch and if you know if they're able to hang around in those games and possibly win a couple i think that is that's that's almost the season defining that's almost the season defining stretch right there not saying it is but you know if they're able to win those that gives you a lot of confidence moving forward especially being able to, I think going over 500 by, you know, at least three or four games in conference play is, is what's needed um, is in, for this team. Granted, the PAC 12 has stepped up a lot lately, you know, especially within recruiting, um, you know, you can, you can name basically every school and they've taken a step up in the last couple of years. Um, I think it's really important for Washington Get established early on in Pac-12 play. If you know, like we said, we want you want to be talking tournament. You want with this team. They have the talent to do so. It's just kind of like you know, you got to be able to get things to come together. That happens early, like Jason said. Um, you got to get that chemistry rolling. But it's no gimmies. You got to get them rolling. Start feeling some wins. Start feeling some mojo, and then be able to make make a couple possible upsets this season. That's what has to be done. Um, and I think it's important for Washington, especially, kind of like um, I've said a little bit. Off the bench, especially, I think if you're able to have a couple spark plugs and a couple guys who could come in and make some noise and establish a little consistently, maybe not individually with one guy being consistent, but as the unit, as the bench unit as a whole, being able to step up and uh, um, have a couple guys who can make some noise is extremely important to have depth. Um, and I think Wash, I think they, I think they can do it. You know, it's just time to see a couple guys take a step forward.
2: Yeah, I think if you're looking for expectations, I think looking realistically, I think we finished kind of middle of the pack last year, I think with a, a conference that's sh- stronger and there's some, some top 25 teams, I think kind of shooting for that fifth to seventh position should be kind of the aim of this team. You got those top four with UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, uh, and then maybe even Stanford rounding out that top four. And so fourth place, there's a possibility, but you have, have some grabs. Yeah, so after those top three, you got Stanford. Washington State will be a solid team again. You have Colorado, who has some young players stepping up. ASU, you never know what can happen. They'll they'll have a lot of talent again. Um, but oh, and then you have USC. So USC will also be good. They'll probably be in that fourth position above Stanford. I forgot about them. So that fifth, sixth, seventh is going to be probably a battle. And so can we put ourselves in position to get in that fifth or sixth range for a Pac-12 that would be shooting to send five or six teams to the tournament? And so looking to beat out Stanford, Colorado, ASU, Wazoo, I think that's kind of the teams that we're hoping to be grouped in with. And can we do that? That's the question. I think that's where that, that prove it theme that we've talked about all podcast comes in. Can we prove it early? Can we get through that gauntlet around the new year? And then can we we stay alive and, and earn some solid victories throughout the Pac-12 that can just put us in that conversation? I think even putting us in that conversation on the bubble would be very welcomed from our fan base. That's my hope. Can we just, can we get to March yep. and have the dream alive? That's That's what I'm hoping for.
1: I agree, and I I really do think this is a deeper conference than we've seen in the last couple years, especially, you know, Colorado, Stanford has a lot more talent this year, and, you know, obviously, ASU and Bobby Hurley are complete wild cards every single year. Um, If you're able to finish in that fifth, sixth spot, I think you have a real chance at not only being on the bubble, but having a chance at making the tournament, just because of how strong I I hope the Pac-12 will really be this year. But I think kind of, you know, we've been talking about it all broadcasts, prove it, prove it, prove it. I think that this team plays with a ton of fire, and I think expectation-wise on the court, this team won't lay down to anybody. Um, Hopp does a really great job. You can say what he want about him, but he does a great job of making his players want to run through a wall for him. And I think, you know, I think that's something you're still going to see this year, especially with a group of guys who have not had their fair share of success at their old programs, you know Noah Williams. He's a guy that you just don't want to play against. You don't want him. You don't want to go against a guy like Noah Williams. You know, not necessarily. Might not even be. It's just more of an attitude thing. You know, there's a lot of guys with those attitudes, and I think because of those attitudes, this group is going to be extremely feisty on defense. And I think there's going to be a lot of runouts, a lot of hustle, a lot of heart. And I think those are things that could help carry them into the postseason. You know, that not every team has that sort of heartbeat. And if you are able to keep that heartbeat consistent and loud, um, Washington could, could be dangerous,
0: man. Now I'm excited for some Husky hoops. That last little minute and a half got me pumped up. (laughs) You ready to run through a wall for me, Luke? (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready to run through a wall for, for you, for hop, for Jason, whoever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's a great note to end it on Husky basketball right around the corner. Obviously Husky football still going on. So I would bookmark DogMind or dogman.com if I were you guys, right? Maybe make it like your start page on your browser, right? Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for hopping on, gentlemen. I appreciate you all who are listening and go dogs.